Hey everyone, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. A quick note before we can dive into the conversation. We'd love it if you'd connect with us on our Facebook page, sign up for our email newsletters on our website, or subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to be notified when a new episode is published. This week, we welcome back the co-director of Luther House of Study, Dr. Chris Krogan, to the podcast. Trained as a Reformation scholar specializing in the life and teachings of Martin Luther, Dr. Krogan graduated from Augustana College and earned his MDiv and was ordained in 1995. He returned to Luther Seminary five years later and was granted a PhD in church history. Chris has been teaching college and seminary students since 2004, with his primary emphasis being nurturing faith and preparing pastors. For this week's conversation, we discuss Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. You'll hear us talk about the misconception of what faith is and what faith isn't in today's church, centering on how faith isn't a substance you can have more or less of. You either have it or you don't. And this is something you'll hear Adam, Keery, and I all admit that we've struggled to wrap our heads around in our lives growing up in the church, just like the disciples didn't understand what faith is in today's passage. Without further ado, let me read this week's lectionary text that our conversation was based on. It's Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave, who had just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink. Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. Here's our conversation with Dr. Chris Krogan on this week's lectionary text about faith. Welcome back to the pod, Chris. Great Thanks to for be being here. here. Yep, yep, I'm enjoying this a lot. So can you start by giving us, as we usually do, with an overview of what's happening in this passage in Luke? Yep. And so Jesus is standing there and he's talking to all of these people. And what is Jesus starting to lay out for people is the difference between having a God and being a God. And you see this especially now in this text and Jesus has laid out some fairly strong words prior to this text but now in particular people are starting to get nervous about what's going on about not being the Lord but being actually subject to somebody else and that starts to create you know some tension for people as is even our us today so um I'll I'll just I think it'd probably be prudent to actually just bring up the first four verses uh, prior to this uh, Luke 17 Jesus said to his disciples, Occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to anyone by whom they come. It would be better for you if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. 
be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender. And if there is repentance, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. And then our uh, lectionary text, the the plead to the Lord, increase our faith. Can you kind of speak to what uh, the disciples are saying there, what they're asking? Right. One of the challenges of if you just read the lectionary text as given in the lectionary is it starts off with increase our faith, and that can kind of seem like, you know, well, that's an interesting question or a good question or a good request that the disciples are giving. But if you don't understand those four verses, you just led it up to, which is, or leading up into this increase our faith. Mm -hmm. You hear that increase our faith in a very different way. It's kind of a panic question Mm -hmm. because they're told you need to forgive somebody, which as we all know, forgiveness is not something that comes natural for us. We want to get even. Mm -hmm. And so when Jesus is saying they're going to sin against you and you're going to forgive them time and time again, and they're like, well, I don't know if I'm capable of that. Right there, you see what they're hearing Jesus's uh, admonition is to forgive or you're going to have to forgive they're thinking this is something that they now have to be responsible for and do and they're thinking i need more power to be able to do this and so they've started to take in what we'd call um make uh faith into something that you would be able to measure mm-hmm. or assess and it becomes faith becomes a law faith becomes something that we have to do or somehow get an infusion which is by the way a regular thing that people typically think they think faith is something that is to be increased or you're assessing it or finding you're measuring its productivity or fruits or that it's a it's a power then yes exactly if it's in and of itself that it gives you the power to actually do this right which it is a power but not one that you can uh, gain or um harness harness almost. or measure sure you know, so it, and that's one of the things that's going to be a kind of a challenge. This text is very much an either-or text, as opposed to most people like to think of both ands when they come to them and God or come to th- issues of faith, and they think that there's kind of a plurality of ways of looking at this and stuff like that. But this whole text is an either-or, which Jesus starts to get at. This is why he sits there and he tells the disciples, "Your question actually shows how much faith you don't have." That right there, which is why he goes on. The Lord replied, if you had faith, right there. <laughs> it's, okay. Yeah, it's not even how, how much you have. No. It's you, if you had faith, yeah, he ch- he ch- you either have it or you don't. It's yeah. not like, oh, I've got a level 40 faith today out of yeah. 100. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And which, you know, right there, which is, this is a pointed word from Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is not a... Oh, you know, let me, yeah, you're right. I'm glad you came with the question. I'm so glad that you're really interested in, in, in hearing what I have to say. No, Jesus is actually kind of, kind of pointed here, and he's saying, here's a, you've just proven the pudding. You don't believe. Mm-hmm. If you had faith, even the size of a mustard seed, so he even makes it even further, is how do you even see a mustard seed? It's very hard to even tangible feel it, let alone see it. Mm-hmm. You could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. Now, this is very interesting because the only one who has faith in these stories in the Gospel of Luke in the Father is Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. And what is Jesus capable of doing? He's capable of saying, be still to the wind and the waves, and it's still. Mm-hmm. He's capable of telling a crippled man to get up and walk, and he gets up and walk. So this is what Jesus is saying. When you have faith in God alone, 
amazing things start to happen. Which mm-hmm. is in, in the in the book of Acts. Actually, the disciples then who have faith are actually able to start to cure people mm-hmm. by doing these things. And so there's something going on there with if you had faith, actually you have the power of God, which is why it is a power. Okay, but now everybody wants to get that power. Well, how do you get that power? And that becomes the question too that people are worried yeah. about. Well, how do I get faith? Yeah, how do you get faith? Mm-hmm. And this is this is this is the key. Then is um, people are going to start striving for that. So this is why they're saying increase our faith from the prior question. How you need to you need to do something to get us there. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Jesus is saying you haven't actually been faith because you aren't actually hearing what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the problem is they need to actually start to hear Jesus's words as opposed to strive after them, become something they're not, and sure. so on and so forth. So you, you go, Kiri. So is this one of those parts where, I know you guys have said this before, where he's kind of holding up a mirror to them mm-hmm. and saying, this is your sin. Mm-hmm. And, and he does that in an attempt to help them identify it. Is yeah, that yeah, this is this okay. is starting to name whom they are and what okay. they and which is sinner. Which is sinner, which is actually taking away their sense that they have any role or contribution to what God is up to. That is to okay. say, it takes away their sense of I can do this and because anytime you want to be, then I can do this. And this is what he's getting at in the rest of the verses is when you want to claim a right or a power or an authority or some kind of autonomy when it comes to God, that's your sin. Mm-hmm. And this is why he's going to go into this the slave part and who it is and where your role is, which is why I said this whole text is starting to talk about, are you a Lord or are you have one who's lording over you? Mm-hmm. And that's the crux of this text. And so the only way you end up having um, recognition that you aren't Lord is for Jesus to kind of show you in the mirror, see how you are not God, see how you are not doing what God says, you are not in obedience to the one. Yep. Um, can we, we, we talked about it a little before, but I, when, I, when I read this text uh, and I hear you, I always think of uh, the, the plea, the similar plea that Luther picks up on in his third article, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk about how that's different than maybe what the apostles are, are saying with the increase our faith? Yeah, increase our faith is um, an idea that somehow I have some doubt, but um, that's okay, I need to increase. And so one of the things that often happens with people is they think that doubt is a part of faith. And they're exact opposites. They're, they're literally, they're, you, you can't get any further than the east from the west. Doubt, that is to say unbelief, mm-hmm. is not the same as faith, which is to trust. And so when they're saying increase our faith, they assume they have some bit of something that they can now grow, right? Whereas in the, I believe, help my unbelief, is kind of what Luther would be talking about is, your, is a, the similar. There's two use. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where all of a sudden the word will be taken from your ears and you'll be like, I'm scared. I'm not at peace with God. I'm afraid. You need to insert your word back into me, which then is I believe. Mm-hmm. And so it's this symbol that's going back in the cycle of, okay, I, I know I'm a sinner. You need to pronounce your word of promise of forgiveness in my ears so that I, that is not in my conscience. That's different from... 
I know I'm not doing well. Can you help me get better? Yeah. And so that, that, that's, that, <laughs> that's not a confession. That's not that, a confession. Yeah. Right. And so to recognize that I need you, God, is a confession as opposed to I need you to assist me. You know, mm-hmm. so and uh, there was I had a student one time who did it. He was a wrestler and he said, God, um, help me on this spot me on this weightlifting. You know, just make sure that I get it. Well, but he still wanted to be in control of, you know, getting that bar up over the thing. And that's kind of what the. The, the disciples are asking for as opposed to God you're, spot me because yeah, they still want to have the power exactly yeah exactly I feel like I've prayed that before so <laughs> yeah. yeah well it's a common prayer because yeah. it keeps us in control of Ourselves. our situation okay. right and that which is exactly why then the slave piece as we go further in this text is so offensive to our ears mm. is it's having a Lord or being a Lord which one do we naturally want to do? Well, we naturally want to be Lord. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it starts to go. So can you actually talk a little bit about that and how, um, well, I guess for me, why he uses that example of um, why would you ask a slave to come and sit at your table? What's the significance in that? Well, in, in, in the times, you know, there, slavery, that is to say servanthood, was a common way of doing this. This is how actually people cared for people outside of their family is they actually had them serve and then they provided but when you have it's like having an an employee and you don't you you, everybody has their place in their role of their vocation so then here with a slave you don't they don't have a right to anything Mm -hmm. and so they're basically saying slaves when they come in they don't have a right to sit at your table and you don't put them in a place that they don't have a right to and so this is part of, but people will want to come in and say, well, we need to claim our rights and we need to do this. And so, so he's like, nope, you as a person, if you had a servant or a slave, you wouldn't say, okay, now sit down take a rest. You would actually say, your job is this. And that is to serve. Okay. Prepare supper for me. This is the way the text says it. Prepare supper for me. Put on your apron, serve me while I eat and drink. Later you may eat and drink, but you're not de- you're not treating them terrible. You, you just say, this is the role you play. This is the place you are. It's the difference, again, between having a Lord and being a Lord that Jesus is trying to lay out. So when it comes to you and God, are you going to try to claim a right with God? God, I need you to um, do what I will. Or God, I am at your mercy. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest part. And this is what is offensive to anything when it comes to God, is when you have a Lord... You are at the mercy of that person. Mm-hmm. They are in control of you. And people don't like being at the mercy of someone else. And this is where it starts to roll out for people is what do you mean to be at the mercy of somebody else? Mm-hmm. To be at their dictum, to be, they say, I do. They say, I am. I guess it's, it's then important to ask or to at least know what kind of Lord do we have? Because you are at the mercy of a Lord. And so it matters at the end of the day. Yep. Who is this Lord? Right. And so what does what is it that Jesus is going to say your God is? Now, is your God someone who is going to um, lord over you and make you into a situation where you are just going to be beat down? Or is this a Lord who actually is gracious, steadfast, loving, good, mm-hmm. who delivers you all that you need from day to day? As opposed to saying, you know, go out and try harder, better, better yourselves. 
yeah, a Lord who actually is merciful, mm -hmm. who delivers mercy. I can see how that would get really hard for people, though, because, and I know we've um, talked about this a little bit, but then that brings in all the different people, all the different situations. Why did this happen? Where was God when this happened? Um, that gets really hard for us as humans. I think that's one of the main reasons we don't want to relinquish that control because we don't, we're like, okay, well, I had all this really cruddy stuff happen to me throughout my entire life so far. Where was God? Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? A lot How of times we try to put ourselves on equal standing with God. And so you can kind of consider it like when you're sitting in the courtroom, can you tell the judge how to judge you, right? And so you sit there and you, you claim to be in equal standing. And so what happens when people experience the trials of life, which they know that God is the creator and the author of this world, and thus something bad happens, they do know this is somehow in God's hands, mm -hmm. right? And then they start putting God on trial. This is the whole story of Job. And when you put God on trial, you try to think that I have a right to tell you, God, how to treat me, mm -hmm. right? You actually don't have a right to tell God how he should be God. And that's exactly what happens. And so you put God on trial, but that actually is the greatest of sin, which is why Jesus is saying, you know, when you as a position in life at this point in time, you are not Lord, you are lorded over by God. So we, Jesus is using the issue of slave. Do you have a right to say, you know, God, you need to treat me as a slave this way? Do you need to treat me? No, Jesus says. You actually do what God says. You actually are under God's dominion. Now, here's the other piece with dominion, is that when you are one who is under the dominion of God, dominion is not like you are being um, treated poorly or um, dominated and, and kind of like God grabs you and just throws you around and stuff like that. Dominion in the Hebrew sense of the word back in the Genesis and creation is actually to be sustaining and caring for that which has been created, mm -hmm. that which God has done. And so it's not to dominate so as to pay, play a power play, but it's actually to care for. And so when God has dominion over you, this is actually what he's doing. He's caring for you. He's sustaining you. But then also he's going to give you that same uh, role when you are the servant or the slave to do what it is to, at hand, to give your job, your task. Mm -hmm. See, but I don't care about any of that because when I'm not feeling like he's holding me and he's with me, I just want out of this hell. Mm -hmm. What as a sinner can I say or can I do then in order to make God God then? Yeah, well then what you do is you actually go back to um, what God promised you. And so when, when you start to understand he's Lord, there's your first confession, that's good. Now you say, when you were Lord, you promised to have dominion over me. That is, you promised to care for your creature and you promised to sustain me on a daily basis. So you start calling in the chips on God and Jesus. You promised. Mm -hmm. So you promised to get me through this. You promised to be gracious, steadfast, merciful, loving. This is not what I'm feeling right now. I'm calling you in on your word. This is part of the Lord-slave relationship, actually, is back in this time when you're a slave, a slave could say, this is what your role is now, Lord, 
is your role is to make sure I do have a time at some point in time to eat and drink so that I can be of service mm -hmm. to the creation, to, to other people. So that is that relationship is when you are a slave of a person, you aren't just, you know, sitting thrown out to the dust. You are actually cared for by the Lord. You are a, a servant, but they are to have, so you just call God when you're, when you're under that push of suffering, then you say, God, you promised, mm -hmm. you promised this isn't who you are in my identity. And then you just rely on that. Which is different than initially having a right. Like what, what you were saying before, it's different than initially saying, I have a right to this, but it's actually putting it back to God and saying, this is, rem remember your promise. This. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's like interesting because we're slaves because of sin. Yep. And so when in verse 10, you're saying we are worthless slaves, we've done only what we ought to have done. Is it suggesting we ought to have sinned? No, no, no. We're worthless slaves. That is to say, we don't have a position to claim authority over God. We are, we are, we have, all we are is we are the creature. So let's just take it off the word slave. Mm -hmm. We are a creature. And when you're a creature, all of your existence comes because God spoke you into existence. Mm -hmm. This is how God make, establishes creation. So the fact that you exist today is because God continues to speak you into existence. And then... As a creature, God said, you can have dominion over all creation. Now, dominion doesn't mean you get to manipulate it and use it to your own advantage. Dominion means you actually care for mm -hmm. so that it continues to foster and spread and, and serve the rest of creation. So we are only doing what God created us to do. Mm -hmm. When you're out there just literally serving your neighbor, having children, getting married, enjoying God's good creation, plowing the field, participating in the economy... You're just doing exactly what you're created to do. You're being the creature. Mm -hmm. And that's all you're doing. So you don't claim a right to try to tell God how he should deal with creation or how he should deal with you. That's kind of more of what it is. This particular word of slave has isn't about sin. Gotcha. It's about your role in the relationship between you and God. So God is not your friend. God is not your equal. You're not claiming status before God. You're just claiming, yeah, I'm just simply your humble creature. I'm at your mercy. So when I'm at your mercy, I only do what it is you say. Mm -hmm. We can't do what's not in us. You, you can't do what God doesn't give you okay. to do, which is be your own God. Right. Yeah. You're not expecting or you're not demanding a, a thank you for, for just being a creature. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the key about, you know, when you're demanding a thank you, what do you want? Recognition. Mm -hmm. You for want, status, or, you yeah. know, you want, you want somebody to say, look how good you are and you want credit for being something you're not. I was actually going to ask about that. So could you go in a little bit further? Why is that, um, that question? I guess I don't see why that question is in this text. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? What is the purpose of them putting this into the gospel? Um, in, in, when you have somebody that you tell them, one of the things that in our society these days is there's this thing called affirmation. So as you build people up and motivate them to do more, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When you're in a position of being a, a servant or a slave, you only do what you are commanded to do. And if you don't do it, this doesn't go well for you, right? Nowadays, we're trying to motivate people because we're trying to actually um, um, motivate them with their selfishness. Mm -hmm. So the reason that people want, you know, nowadays positive reinforcement builds their ego and that's how you motivate people is to be selfish 
you motivate them own sense of self, right? Mm -hmm. Slaves don't have a sense of self. They have a sense of, I am the slave to that person and that person lords over me. Mm -hmm. So when somebody starts, when, when it says, would you thank them? That is to say, would you give them positive reinforcement? Say, you are so good because you did exactly what I commanded to you. Think about it this way. When uh, my kids um, uh, clean their rooms, what I expected them to clean their rooms. Why? For their own benefit, but for the benefit of everybody else too. Mm-hmm. Or when I want them to clean the house, or when I want them to sweep the garage, or when I want them to pick the vegetables. It was because this is what they needed to do for the sake of the household and for the sake of other people. Should they get thanks for doing for somebody else? No, they actually should just do it because that's the good thing to do. Mm-hmm. But what we do a lot of times is we give them thank you so that they can now be feel good about themselves and then they're chasing after a self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. See how good I was, see how recognized I can be. And so it's, it's kind of like nowadays, if you're, if you're uh, playing in the Little League Baseball or Little League Soccer, everybody gets a medal. Right. So as to build their self-esteem. Participation award. Exactly. Participation. But you see, this is That's exactly all I got. Right. But 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 <laughs> but that is the selfish motivation. Look, I am somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it's trying to claim a right. It's trying to claim an identity apart from just being creature. Mm-hmm. You're trying to become a god or something else than mm-hmm. what God is. Y- yeah, and then it really just instead of taking your role as a creature, like you actually are trying to strive. I'm going to go clean my room, not because that's just how I function as a creature, but because I need to do that to get the affirmation. So it like creates this, you're not living in peace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this is the way we typically motivate people with uh, carrots or sticks, rewards or punishment. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to do is, is, is move them from being something they're not to something that will be better Mm -hmm. for us. And we, I guess we assume that God works the same way as our little league baseball team. Exactly. That we're playing in the tournament and, uh, we're going to get some sort of affirmation that what we're doing is a good thing or right. uh, above and beyond maybe yeah. what then he expects. Yep. And that we're going to get some reward. So actually we know when we're, when we're sitting here and we're looking at this text and we're like, boy, this seems like kind of a downer. I'm a slave and, and I'm stuff. No, actually what you have is when you are creature, Okay. And you have faith that God is faithful to his promise and his mm-hmm. word. Then at that point in time, you're not asking about getting increased faith. And you're not asking about what should I do? You're actually just living in peace and you're the creature. And you're just kind of going about your daily business, looking at what your neighbor needs tomorrow mm-hmm. and going, okay, I'll do that. Looking at what, you know, I can, how I can get my bread. You're not chasing after something. You're not trying to become something you're not. You're actually in peace. Awesome. Great way to end it. Thanks, Chris. Yep. We want to thank Dr. Chris Krogan for joining us on the podcast this week to answer Adam Curie and my questions all about faith in this week's lectionary text. If this is your first time listening to Scripture First, welcome. We're so excited you found us, you you saw us, you you gave us a chance to work into your schedule to give us a listen. And if you've given a few of our other episodes a listen, thank you so much. Uh, listening to the show and sharing it with your friends and family or somebody that you go to church with is the absolute best way to support us. Uh, word of mouth is the best way for our show to spread, and we want to reach listeners just like you. 
If this week's conversation sparked a question for you or you want clarification on something we talked about, please feel free to reach out to us either on our website or Facebook. Our website is lutherhouseofstudy.org and you can find us on Facebook at Luther House of Study. Feel free to just leave us a message uh, with your question and uh, one of our, our professors here at Luther House of Study will be in touch with you. And we might even answer some of your questions here on the podcast. We want to thank you again for tuning into this week's conversation on Scripture First. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. We'll see you next time.